Well, hello everybody, and welcome back to another UK Motor Talk Formula One review and news roundup. We're back in action after the summer break for the Belgian Grand Prix. The race itself, a dramatic start, and um, yeah, not not too much after that. So it might be a might be a bit more news focused this one. But my name is Jim, and I will take you through uh, all the action as it unfolded over the weekend. Starting off, really, the, the big news in the run-up to the race was Daniel Ricciardo's announcement that uh, despite previous proclamations that he'd be staying with the team, he announced that himself and McLaren have decided to, uh, I think, part ways by uh, by mutual consent was the phrase that was used. So, um, But in other words, I'm, I'm sure it came from McLaren saying, look, this isn't working. Should we call it a draw? What do you need to call it a draw? What are we going to do? Ultimately, if uh, if the partnership or the relationship isn't working out, then uh, then it comes time enough to call a day on it, I think. But a real, real shame. I mean, it's uh, Daniel is is one of the the nicest guys in the paddock, one of the most entertaining characters in the paddock. But he's uh, he's also a hell of a racer as well. All of his his victories and pole positions and overtaking moves and and races that he's done up until this point prove, I think, that that he he is a class act. He is a phenomenal driver. If you look at his performances um, in the early part of his career, how he stacked up against the four-time world champion of Sebastian Vettel, uh, how he stacked up against Max Verstappen compared to how uh, Max's teammates have subsequently stacked up against him. Um, I think all the evidence is there. It's, it's just for whatever reason, it's not gelling with McLaren. Uh, the characteristics of the car not suiting them. I mean, there was something Carlos had said uh, early in uh, in the season last year. I think it was to uh, to Daniel that, oh, funny car, isn't it? And and the, the, there's just something in the McLaren that that makes it a peculiar car to drive. And, and for whatever reason, he just can't get his head round it, can't get on top of it, can't get in the zone with it. And the gap between himself and Norris is uh, is clear for all to see. But it's uh, as I say, it is a real, real shame because I'm a you know uh, a big fan of the McLaren team and a big fan of Daniel Ricciardo. But um, time enough with that relationship. All very quiet on his replacement. There was no uh, no announcement of who would be taking the seat. Uh, there's plenty of names being banded around, but I think the the name that features most heavily is of course Oscar Piastri, following the Vettel. Alonso Twitter Alpine row of a few weeks ago, but no uh, no firm news from Alpine yet on who uh, who will be their driver beyond their waiting for the results of the contract recognition board. They were supposed to meet on the Monday after the race. Haven't heard too much on it, but haven't heard much out of, uh, of Piastri in the run up to. It. I think he's probably doing the sensible thing and, and laying fairly low at the moment. But there's a few other names in the frame for the McLaren drive. And there's a, a few other names in the frame for the Alpine drivers. Well, Gasly to Alpine has been banded around as a possibility. It'd be interesting to see how a French French team, in inverted commas, uh, despite being based in, in Enstone, but a French team with two French drivers, although Gasly and Ocon, I think, don't have the uh, the best history together. So not uh, not quite sure on that one, but maybe Gasly does need to... Um, to to grow his own wings and fly away from the Red Bull coupe to, uh, to see how he can progress his career and develop. I think it's reasonably obvious uh, that Gasly won't be heading back to the main Red Bull team. So does he uh, Does he decide to look elsewhere and see how he gets on? But where next for Ricardo? I mean, he looked, uh, he looked a bit broken and a bit, uh, and a bit dejected over the weekend, which is understandable given everything that's, that's happened over, uh, over the last couple of weeks and the couple of days in the run-up to the, the Belgian Grand Prix in particular. 
running out of options really there's there's a possible move back to alpine i would say as long as the the things that made him question their long-term ambitions or long-term ability have disappeared uh, or been rectified then there's a possibility Otmar Safnauer had said he'd be open to uh, to Daniel returning. I mean, it would be a step up the the grid in uh, in championship position terms at least. Whether that's uh, the best long term proposition, Haas is uh, is a, a team that have been banded around as a slight possibility, and Williams being the other team. I mean, I think all of the uh, the other seats are fairly well buttoned up, but. As we have just seen with Daniel, a contract uh, can be bought, can be cancelled, can be re-diverted elsewhere. So um, it, it, Daniel, I, I still think, has fantastic value to any Formula 1 team. And if uh, if you're any Formula 1 team boss up or down the pit lane, you'd, you'd have to be looking at Daniel reasonably seriously, given his, his pedigree and his past results. Whether Daniel's issues with the McLaren are... You know, purely related to Daniel plus McLaren uh, doesn't quite work, or is it Daniel plus the the twenty twenty two regulations doesn't work? The front end issues are, are are at the heart of his lack of performance. So um, Pirelli have spoken about possibly improving or beefing up that front tire to give uh, to take a bit of the understeer out of the the twenty twenty two cars for next year. Based on that, will will the tyres come back more towards Daniel next year? It's um, I mean we we see it quite often in Formula One. There'll be a, a driver who, if the car suits him, if the car is perfect, then they get in that zone and absolutely nobody can touch them. Whereas you get other drivers who will get it get it roughly in the ballpark. Doesn't matter too much as long as it's roughly right. I can get on with it. And Daniel is is appearing to be one of those drivers that that needs the car at least somewhere to his liking. Uh, before he can perform well, but he is certainly one of those drivers that, on his day, nobody can touch him. So I don't know. For for my money, I think I'd like to. Uh, I think I'd like to see him actually go to to Williams on a long term deal and see if he could help build the team, help get it back towards winning ways. I think with the the budget cap and the uh, the modern era of regulations such as they are, those teams that do finish lower down the grid uh, don't need to to spend their way or can't spend their way out of um, out of their issues, but they get help in terms of more wind tunnel time and, and bits and pieces like that, and the front-running teams get penalised and, and are able to do less research and development. So in, in theory, William's previous financial issues are, are no longer an issue, I think, with their new investment. They're, they're very easily able to uh, to spend over and above the budget cap if they wanted to. So, yeah, it would, would be good to see him go there i think just where wherever he goes he needs to be he needs to be happy and he needs to be loved and, and get some of the old daniel ricardo cheeriness back that's been missing over uh over the last, well to be honest over the last 18 months really i think it's been absent but uh we shall see how that unfolds the other big bit of news in uh, in the build-up to the race was uh, Audi finally announcing, not to anyone's surprise, but maybe slightly surprising that they managed to jump in and announce before Porsche have announced. But Audi have said uh, or have confirmed that they will be joining Formula One from 2026. Not overly clear on whether it's just as an engine manufacturer or as a, as a team. Certainly don't think it'll be a, a full works team we're setting up and starting on our own more than likely it's looking like they'll be buying into or taking a controlling stake in the Sauber team Alfa Romeo at pretty much the same time announced that their sponsorship deal with with Sauber would be running its course so reasonably high likelihood of a time between Audi and Sauber 
we'll see how that develops over the next next however many years that Audi are in the sport. Of course, they could always join as a as a partner, as a sponsor, and then take more control of the team or indeed buy it outright. No confirmed news from Porsche. Looking, I'd, I'd say probably 50-50 at the moment whether Porsche do end up buying a chunk in Red Bull or Red Bull powertrains or Red Bull technologies or which whichever whichever way they end up going with it. Rebel have obviously invested a, a huge amount of money in Rebel powertrains to take over from their, their supply of Honda engines. Whether it'll end up panning out as, as the initial thoughts were that it would be Rebel and Porsche, the uh, bit of paper that emerged from, uh, I think it was, was in Morocco or somewhere random like that, indicating a tie-up between Rebel and Porsche. Uh, not a lot seems to have happened since then, so again, we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that and see how we get on. Onto the race weekend itself, penalties. You get a penalty, he gets a penalty. Everybody seems to uh, to get a penalty this weekend. I think on a circuit on which you you can overtake, it does make sense if you're getting a bit shy on uh, on powertrains for the rest of the season to take a penalty and chuck a new one into the mix. There were ch- engine changes for Bottas, Norris, Ocon. Mick Schumacher and uh, and most importantly the two title contenders. Well, I say title contenders, but the the guy leading the championship and the guy who's um, certainly a large chunk of points before the weekend behind him, uh, Charles Leclerc, uh, all electing to change their engines and and various other components. I think it just pretty much led to um, yeah nobody from their actual qualifying positions lining up on the grid where they qualified. So a mixed up grid, which was good. A slight delay and in, uh, in getting Q1 underway. Uh, there's been a crash in the Porsche race that happened just before, so they were bolting the barriers back together and putting all the tyres back in place. But straight from the get-go, Albon seemed uh, seemed absolutely on fire, a stonking lap from him. And uh, some of the usual suspects dropping out, Vettel, Latifi, Magnussen, Sonoda and Bottas all, uh, all exiting in Q1. Into Q2, another stonking lap from Albon, but we uh, unfortunately lost Danny Rick looking um, just just a, a tenth and a bit off Norris, which um, which he, I, I don't know where, where we are with uh, with Daniel. We've spoken at length. You've begun to think, oh, that's not bad, really. So you know, not not where Daniel should be is not bad, really. But uh, yeah, he uh, he exited in Q two along with Pierre Gasly, Guan Yu Zhou, Lance Stroll, and Mick Schumacher. Uh, and into Q3 then. Um, so for Ferrari having come under fire for various strategic blunders over the last couple of races sent Leclerc out on a brand new set of soft tyres to give Sainz a slipstream which uh, which didn't seem very odd but they uh, confirmed their mistake on on the radio to Charles as he was pulling out the pit saying hang on am I on the right tyres no it's a mistake but carry on get on with it so fair enough his actual qualifying lap was uh, was very busy and full of traffic so yeah not uh, not the tidiest qualifying session from Ferrari by a long stretch Max Verstappen, meanwhile, just hopped in the car, did one lap, pulled in and called it a day and was was just a a country mile ahead of anyone else. Not meaning a lot, actually, in the grand scheme of things, as he knew he'd be heading straight towards the back of the grid. But a a stonking lap from Verstappen without really making it look like he was trying, to be honest. Elected not to give uh, Perez a slipstream or anything like that, and and Carlos Sainz had a bit of a scruffy lap for for his actual qualifying lap. Nonetheless, uh, Verstappen way out in front, followed by Sainz. Perez, Charles Leclerc, Ocon, Alonso, Hamilton, Russell, Albon and Norris were, were the, the qualifying top ten. But of course, with uh, with the various penalties, that put Sainz, Perez, Alonso, Hamilton, Russell and Albon right at the sharp end. 
Hamilton, although his uh, his grid spot or starting spot was uh, was not too bad. The uh, the pace deficit one point eight seconds, I think, between Mercedes and Red Bull, which Lewis was fairly disconsolate about. The Mercedes is a better race car than a qualifying car this year, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. And I know Spa's a long lap, but one point eight seconds is a lot. With uh, with a technical directive that came in for this weekend, supposedly aimed at uh, at pegging back the performance of Red Bull and Ferrari, almost seemed to have the the opposite effect. Red Bull and and Verstappen in particular just just looked the man and machine in in perfect harmony, and yeah, the uh, the pace was ominous. At least it set us up for what we thought would be a good race with Verstappen battling through the field uh, all the way through the race. He was helped up a couple of places by uh, both Alpha Tauri starting in the pit lane and up front off the line into the race. A great start for Alonso, managing to hold off a rather aggressive Sergio Perez. Hamilton holding on round the outside from Russell. Perez dropping all the way back to fifth, actually, as they were running up to uh, to Eau Rouge and Radion and along the Camel Strait. Yeah, Perez uh, all the way down to fifth. A bit of, uh, well, I say, a bit of a lot of contact between Hamilton and Alonso into Lacombe. Looked really dramatic from the outside with Hamilton being thrown a reasonably long distance up into the air. Uh, and I think it was a 40, 45G impact, something like that, that he ended up with. So it was a, a hell of a whack, but absolutely 100% on Lewis. But he admitted as much and said straight away afterwards, no, hands up, my fault. Didn't give him enough space. He was in my blind spot. But it's uh, it's not not a very common trait from Lewis to end up in a collision in wheel to wheel battles. He's generally very respectful, very fair. Always leaves the space and and is always acutely aware of what's going on around him. So uh, an unusual slip up from the seven time world champion there. I thought uh, Alonso's radio messages were were a bit disparaging and a bit harsh. But I think he he kind of knew that as well. Saying after the race that the radio conversation you're you're having it with the team, and I think it's a case of maybe forgetting that it gets broadcast but to, to say Lewis is an idiot and, and only knows how to race from the front is uh, is doing him a bit of a disservice I think unfortunate but if you're going to have a, an incident like that well Alonso was able to carry on with um, with only very minor damage if any at all um, and Lewis was out of the race so no need for penalties or investigations the, uh, the results kind of took care and, and apportioned blame and punishment fairly well I thought there of course that allowed uh, Perez back into second place but by the end of lap one, uh, Verstappen had actually made it all the way up to eighth place. So, as I said earlier, we were looking forward to a, a long race of, uh, of Verstappen battling all the way through and picking off people one by one. Well, he, he did a lot of the hard work on lap one with a great start, keeping his nose clean and uh, just getting on with it straight away. Lacoon was the, uh, the source of a bit more action, Latifi losing it on the way out. Uh, just taking out Bottas as um, Bottas had uh, jinked reasonably far left but couldn't quite avoid him and just got, uh, just got tagged by Latifi and spun round into the gravel and out of the race just as the uh, as the safety car came out. Very early pit stop for uh, for Charles Leclerc when uh, when it actually happened I, I couldn't quite see the, uh, the sense in the strategy there um, but I think it was more due to the tear off which uh, initial reports said had come out of Verstappen I think there's a, a bit more has come out since that said it was actually one of Lance Stroll's tear-offs. But uh, any which way, I did, uh, I read one um, rather clickbaity, misleading headline, you know, damning evidence uh, Verstappen sabotages title rival or something like that. I mean, just, just absolute nonsense. He, he'd taken the tear-off and chucked it out. Whether it was his or whether it was Lance Stroll's, I'm not uh, not quite sure. But there was a, a lot of, uh, of bits of engine and gearbox fluids leaking out from Lewis's car. So all the cars behind him had uh, got fairly well covered. So 
you rip a visor tear off off and um yeah unfortunately one of the tear offs from somebody got stuck in Charles Leclerc's front brake duct so he came in for an early stop for that actually the um it uh, all seemed okay but did do a bit of damage to a sensor which will uh, will come back as a, a point later on in the race on the restart Sainz uh, locked up into the chicane but Perez locked up into into La Source Alonso had a bit of a run on Russell but all uh, all actually status quo on the restart Verstappen um, just just carrying on his charge getting past Ricardo into the bus stop chicane then past Albon then past Vettel into the bus stop again so um three passes in the space of a lap and, and a few yards all the way up to fifth and actually DRS hadn't even been enabled by race control yet so from back of the grid albeit 14th with uh, with other people's penalties and pit lanes and things but taking a power unit change and uh, and being fifth just as DRS is enabled in the race is uh, is a hell of a charge just breeze past Alonso and Russell over the next couple of laps who's into third by lap eight but I mean, Charles Leclerc's progress was uh, was much much lower. He'd had the early pit stop, but took him a while to get past the two Alpha Tauris to about fourteenth. That early stop had certainly affected his race reasonably uh, reasonably adversely. Signs of Verstappen uh, mentioning a bit of degradation of their soft tyres. I think that was around about lap ten. It seems a bit early, but of course it's uh, we need to remember Spa is uh, quite well a very long lap. Uh, hence only a 40, uh, 44, 45 lap race. So, uh, you know, lap 10 on uh, a lot of circuits is not equal to uh, to lap 10 at Spa, and that's for certain. So Sainz pitted from uh, from the lead of the Grand Prix on lap 11. Uh, Verstappen was still behind Perez at this stage, complaining about losing a bit of time. Sainz emerging from his pit stop in sixth. Uh, Verstappen wasn't held up behind Perez for uh, for too long. Sainz, uh, yeah, emerged in, uh, in sixth just behind Danny Rick. Got past him into Pawn, but he'd, uh, he'd lost uh, a bit of time stuck behind the McLaren. Perez was the, uh, the first of the Red Bulls to stop, so he came out uh, ahead of Charles Leclerc. Perez um, he had to uh, defend rather robustly against uh, against Charles, it has to be said, into, uh, into Lacombe. Verstappen, who had taken over the lead of the race um, by virtue of other people taking pit stops, pitted on lap 16, so Sainz was back in the lead, but Verstappen got passed into the lead proper and on track on uh, on lap 18 so it was um from uh, from then on it was it was all just uh, plain sailing for verstappen he, he looked completely 100% in control and and on top of that car and and with some unbelievable pace to go with it as well he was off and we uh, we didn't see too much of him for the rest of the race Perez closed up on science and, uh, and took second place on uh, on about lap 21 whilst Ferrari were it was it was an odd listen the the radio calls you know can you do this question and well, you ask somebody a question, you don't say question at the end of it, but it almost seemed like they hadn't had the discussion before the race that other teams seem to, where they have plan A, B, C, D, E, F. I think Norris ended up on plan G this weekend. Um, it just seemed to be a, well, get stuck in, we'll chuck some tyres on it, see how you get on, I'll give you a buzz in a few laps and, and see how you're getting on with things. It was a, you want to stop or no question? Can you go longer question? It was just very, very, very odd. But I don't know, you obviously need to listen to the drivers and, and the feedback on tyres, but you also need a, a reasonable plan before you go in and not try and give too much away to the other teams as well. Because if you're having a very open and frank discussion about things and uh, we can listen to it, then all the other teams can listen to it as well. Sainz and Leclerc double stacked on lap 26. I think it was hard tyres for Sainz and medium tyres for Leclerc. Perez coming in a few laps later for a set of hard tyres and um, 
yeah, sort of all all status quo really for uh, for a little while from from then on in really. Second round of stops for Verstappen was uh, was still way in the lead from Perez. Science holding on to third, Russell fourth. Uh, Russell closing up. Science was struggling for pace a bit. Russell was was catching him around about second a lap. Carlos Sainz actually asking about three stops at this stage again. No forward planning it seemed. A good bit of drama between Ocon, Gasly and Vettel going three wide into Lacoon. I think if I was going to sit anywhere this weekend, then Lacoon would have been the place to sit. And a good battle a bit further down the grid between Albon, uh, Stroll, Norris, Guan Yu Zhou, Sonoda and Danny Rick. They, they were all within a couple of tenths of each other. And towards the end, Russell, who'd been closing up on Science, a uh, small mistake from him, gave Science that, that little bit of breathing space he needed. And then in the last couple of laps, uh, well, looking back on it, it's very easy with, uh, with hindsight to criticise the uh, the decision Ferrari uh, calling Leclerc in for uh, for a pit stop to go for fastest lap to try and nick a point back off Verstappen ended up being um, being a disaster to be fair as he uh, not only didn't get the fastest lap I think it was some six tenths off Verstappen's fastest lap which just goes to show the the mighty mighty pace of the Red Bull. And uh, naturally, I think if um, if Red Bull had been all worried about it, it wouldn't have surprised me if Verstappen turned up the wick again on the last lap or two and, and went for it. I admire Ferrari for uh, for trying it. You've got to roll the dice and, and have a go. Whether one point with the, the gap such as it is is um, actually going to make any difference at the end, I, I suspect not. But uh, yeah, he was in uh, he was in fifth, uh, pitted for uh, for a new set of tyres. Emerged behind Alonso, so they'd uh, they'd given up track position. But he uh, he got past a lap later actually with a very good slipstream along the Camel Straight, so actually reasonably advantageous for lap time. As I said, came to nothing in the end, still six tenths off. But worst of all, because of the uh, the tear off in the brake duct earlier, that had cooked a wheel speed sensor. So he was one kilometre over the pit lane speed limit. So Dooley got a five second penalty just after the race. So that dropped him to sixth. So um, yeah, just com- completely unnecessary and threw away p- a position. But hey, I suppose you you got to try something. It's you know if you uh, if you don't take the risk, you'll never know. It's um, not like they threw away a win for the sake of another point or something like that. I I suppose it was worth it to get another point, but just uh, just didn't didn't all quite work out for uh, for Ferrari. Unfortunately, the strategic error on that and the uh, the question marks over the ties and the radio conversations really you know sort of pales into insignificance based on Ferrari's pace this weekend, whether it's um, the technical directive update has, has hobbled Ferrari a bit more than Red Bull, uh, whether it's track-specific or whether it's, it's just Verstappen hitting his stride in this car, now it's fully to his liking. We shall wait and see. We're off to Zandvoort next, so it's a very different circuit, very different characteristics of a car required. So it'll uh, be interesting to see in a, in a well, less than a week's time, it's race week already, whether the uh, the Red Bull advantage is, uh, is as strong there I suspect it won't be, but I think Max will be uh, certainly G'd up by his home crowd. Let's have a little rundown of the uh, of the final results as it was for Stappen taking the win from Perez and Carlos Sainz completing the podium. Russell in fourth, Alonso fifth, Charles Leclerc sixth, Esteban Ocon seventh, Vettel in eighth. Gasly had had a, a, a decent race, a reasonably quiet race, but a good race working his way up to ninth. 
and uh, and Alex Albon getting a well well deserved and well earned point in tenth. A, a very good result for his uh, his qualifying pace, but a, a good race with a good bit of racecraft and some clever defending from Alex Albon. So shout out to him for that result. Very well earned point. Lance Stroll in eleventh, Lando Norris in twelfth, Sonoda in thirteenth, Guan Yu Zhou fourteenth, Danny Rick fifteenth. Just a uh, Bit of a miserable weekend for McLaren, really didn't look anywhere on uh, on pace or straight line speed. Magnussen in 16th, Schumacher 17th and Nicholas Latifi finishing last on the road in 18th. All that as a result, but I think pretty much barring something really, really, really unusual, but even then it would have to be absolutely cataclysmic, I think, now to um, see Verstappen not win this title. He's uh, way out in front on 284 points. Perez has uh, has now taken back second place, so he's second on 191 points, and Leclerc's dropped to third on 186 points, so... 98 points you gap realistically over the uh, the only other drive that's going to be able to challenge you it's uh, it's it's pretty much done and dusted i think the question is uh, for this year how many races can max win and and what's the winning margin at the end of it i think his uh, his motivation will be to absolutely dominate the end of this season and and cement the championship as early as possible that's all max has to do for the rest of the season really there's not not too much pressure on him now and uh, and he seems to be to be flourishing in uh, in that George Russell in fifth in the championship. Carlos Sainz still just ahead of him in fourth. Uh, only a point gap between the pair of them. George, of course, pulling a, a bit of a gap between himself and Lewis, who sat in sixth uh, as, uh, as Lewis didn't finish. But uh, yeah, as I say, overall, not the most action-packed Belgian Grand Prix ever, but certainly more action-packed than the last Belgian Grand Prix we had. So I think a, a, a bit of rain would have been good. Not not quite as much rain as last year, but um, yeah, nonetheless, it's, uh, it's good to be back at and it's good news that it has been confirmed on the calendar for next year as well. That's about it for the uh, the weekend's news and, uh, and action. We'll be back in just a couple of days for the Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort. So uh, all that's left to say is uh, have a chat with us on the socials if you like. We are at UK Motor Talk pretty much everywhere. Uh, and if you've got the time or the inclination, then please do leave us a, uh, a review. A good review is always uh, better than a bad one, of course. If you like the show, leave us a, a good review. If you don't like the show, drop us a line and, and let us know what we can do to improve. You know, we're, we're here for you, and that is it. So I'll just say thank you very much for listening. Take care wherever you are in the world, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye for now. UK Motor Talk, a first-take media production.